Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ doing good out here in wonderful Syracuse, New York. It did snow all day yesterday and through the night, so definitely not the greatest um, of weather, but we are about, I think, no, exactly 10 days from today is opening day. Uh, still quite a few transactions that we have to catch up to and other significant news, but uh, yeah, very excited to get right into it. LJ, the tension is building. You can feel a palpable buzz that baseball is just around the corner. Oh, sure. And it's just, it's so weird because it's a different buzz than you ever have gotten from this area, like this time period in the season before, because it's that buzz of kind of getting an idea of what rosters actually started to look like. Sure, we have free agents that are around, but like usually by like, by the end of February, you pretty much know what the roster would or could look like. And most guys have been tested at the positions that they're possibly going to be getting looks at throughout the year i mean brandon it's march 28th christian arroyo just played his first game in right field like these are the kind of the stuff that's worked out way before now so it's just like it's really interesting i think and fun to see how these teams are all shaping up so much later so much quicker towards the season and how much there's going to be change from april and may too yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see what the games actually look like in the regular season. Like, are we going to see, you know, I think we got into this a lot last episode, but we were saying, are we going to see a starting pitcher or the majority of starting pitchers only allowed to go through the lineup two times? Are we going to see a lot of different players getting called up and down, uh, just trying to figure out a roster of 20. Well, they're starting with 28, right, until May. So it's trying to find a roster of 28 guys. Even then, when you have two extra spots, I feel like we're going to see a lot of different names jumping up and down. They did set it so you can only get called up and down five times per year. 
uh, in the CBA, but that still shouldn't. Yeah, mind you, makes no sense. Can I say stupidest thing? One of the stupidest things in the CBA. Pretty dumb, but I understand it from the players, from like the actual player getting sent up and down a million times because it is tough. Some like, pretty sure the LA Dodgers t- um, AAA team. Well, I don't know if they're a good example, but I remember a few years ago the Mets AAA team was located in Las Vegas. So you can imagine what it was like to get called up to the major league roster and then sent back down a day later and having to go from New York to Las Vegas. Um, I think that is like a little part of it. But I, I just want to see what the games look like, how high quality of games we're, we're actually going to see um, in the first month or so of the season. Oh, it'll be very exciting. And I mean, you talk about, yeah, we talk about injury. We talk about uh, team fit and overall play. We don't have the same sample size for any of that this year that, that we would in most years. And teams haven't gotten the chance to look at their free agent additions for nearly the same amount of time and see them and play with them on their roster for that amount of time. So that's going to bring a lot of changes. No, I understand the personal issues. First off, that's on the team. Like the team's got, got to not, not be dumb with their own planning with something like that. You're right. That is a little ridiculous. I just haven't seen before a player's association push uh, push on a rule that limits their own ability to make money in such a way well let's enough with lockout talk because i think (laughs) we are all very tired of that and there's still more things that need to be hashed out like the international draft which i'm sure we'll be talking about at some point during the season but lj um on our show doc here you just put Nick Castellanos for the first topic, so uh, I guess I'll let you take this one away. Well, Brandon, I'm sure you have already seen this as Nick Castellanos has struck again. His first hit as a Philadelphia Philly came with the classic Nick Castellanos timing. He gets this right in the middle of a discussion by the play-by-play and color commentator about a DUI that had been... um, just uh, charged to one of, I believe it was the Blue Jays coaches. It was it was the Royals, I think. The and Royals. The, and and what makes it even better is that the original Castellanos clip, where that will make it a four nothing ball game, that was also against the Royals. <laughs> Wait, was that against the Royals? No, they were going to Kansas City. That was in Kansas City. The it oh, was, it was in Kansas City. Wait, so how many? And wasn't the other one also against with the uh, obituary? That one was pretty bad. I forget who that one was against, but LJ, there was actually a more recent one than this. Nick Castellanos, first at bat since the Oscars incident, and he hits a home run today. Yes, that was the other thing I didn't get to add into the uh, show doc here is, I mean, I feel like it would be wrong if we didn't talk about Will Smith during this show. I mean, the guy's (laughs) one of the best catchers in the game. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, literally. One of the best catchers clearly has um, a good arm on him, as we saw last night. And, you know, you you want your, your catcher to be loud. You want them to, you know, if they take their mask off and they have to tell the infield something, you want them to be able to project their voice. And I think we heard Will Smith do exactly that last night, um, telling Chris Rock to – keep his wife's name out of his mouth so yeah Look, i mean this guy he's got one award to him you know a 2020 world series 
He certainly certainly looks like he's due for more. He's been due he's been due for it for a while too. You have to agree. Well, now how does this affect Braves Will Smith? Mm-hmm. As for Braves Will Smith, that's it. That's an interesting question. Because um, he is the 2021 World Series. Yes, I mean, I feel like I feel like other Will I feel like Dodgers Will Smith is definitely a better comp for this. Because I mean, no offense to Braves Will Smith, you don't talk about him in the same light that Will Smith from the Dodger Dodgers Will Smith has been talked about for his entire career, very similar to Hollywood Will Smith being talked about this way and not seeming to be able to break through at the Oscars up until this year. Yes, I agree. <laughs> that conversation just went like, it's like the um, class action, those water slide that used to be the old class action park where it would go upside down and people would like take a concussion and knock themselves out at the top because they'd fall over and then they wouldn't be able to figure out how to get it back down. That's basically what's happened with that conversation. <laughs> Well, I think we can come to the agreement that Nick Castellanos, he, uh, if if he's up to bat, expect the worst to have either either already happened or about to happen. So, yeah, I mean, the guy is just perfect at hitting home runs at the wrong time. I, it's really a skill that I think uh, other players. Well, this is should, definitely talent. Yeah, is like that one of the so like. You know how there's a five-tool system in baseball? It's like five tools. Is yeah. This is the sixth, sixth tool. Sixth tool, yeah. Not bad. All right, well, on to some serious talk. The Diamondbacks have extended uh, probably the best player on their team, Cattell uh, oh, Marte. Easily. easily the best player on their team, Cattell Marte. It is... A five-year, $76 million extension. However, only $56 million of that is guaranteed. And this is a really interesting deal because Marte is a guy who's a free agent after, or who would have been a free agent after this season. And LJ would have definitely had a lot of different teams calling um, him not only the Diamondbacks at the trade trade deadline when they're presumably out of it, but also in the offseason. Um, he's a player who can play a little infield, can play uh, in the outfield, and really had a good season in 2021 after uh, not playing well in 2020. He did have the injury, of course, in 2021 that kept him out for about uh, 70 games of the season, but LJ, I mean, I guess I'd like this for Arizona trying to build a little bit of culture there. Um, and it certainly takes a big free agent name off the market for next year and at the trade deadline this year. Yeah. I think at the trade deadline, the huge one that we talk about here, just overall, the value is immense with a guy like Cattell Marte, really any of these guys, I think that are natural infielders who also can play a really good center. That's a huge, huge thing. You look at think think of guys like, uh, well, Cody Bellinger, Kike Hernandez. They don't all have to be huge names. I mean, certainly both of those guys are better than uh, actually. Tell Marte might be the best of all three of those guys I just named, but that flexibility to be able to play the best spot in the outfield in addition to infield roles is massive. It's probably the biggest utility 
option that you can possibly ask for. So it's just, it's so valuable. The Diamondbacks definitely would have gotten a lot of calls about him probably even before the trade deadline. And so to me, that almost signals, they think that they're not, they must think they're in a better position than I genuinely think the Diamondbacks are. I mean, they're not in like terrible, terrible shape, but they're not in great shape. And I feel like trading a guy like Catel Marte, who is your best player, but not necessarily like the can't miss superstar. I feel like he could have brought back enough value for your team to make it worthwhile trading him rather than locking him up where the first couple of years of this contract are probably going to be years that aren't going to be very fruitful for the team. It was just yeah. a very interesting choice in that regard. And and you look at what the Braves got or what the Braves, excuse me, gave up to get Matt Olson. Now I'm not saying that Cattell Marte is a better player than Matt Olson, but if we're saying that Matt Olson is like a superstar first baseman, Cattell Marte is at least a star. I mean, this guy is you put him in your lineup and he's an immediate game changer, both offensively and defensively. And a guy that you know, had he stayed healthy in 2021, I think was well on his way to another four-war season. That could have put him over 20-war for his career so far in what has only been seven seasons. So the guy's consistent. Uh, he's never going to put up a season in the next few years where it's like, wow, like this guy's a liability. I really am high on this guy. I'm I'm pretty bullish on him, I think, for fantasy baseball he's a great pickup uh it's all about the health though if he can stay healthy um i i think that this is a potential superstar still in the making he's he's only going into his age 28 season absolutely well yeah now that we have certainly we've given the uh we've given the diamondbacks their due time let's move back over to the nl east here with the Braves making a move that we didn't get a chance to cover last show, at least last show, now that I think about it. It might have been even longer ago. Brandon, the Braves bring in Kenley Jansen to add to an already really, really good bullpen. Yeah, uh, kind of a surprising move. I always thought that the Dodgers were going to be the team that were going to re-sign Kenley Jansen. That just seemed like it made sense to me. But I mean, do we think that Kenley Jansen takes as much hate as he does just because he's been in the same role for so long? So people are just, I don't know, like, I don't even know where, where I'm going with it. But, you know, you I think st- I understand what you're trying to say. Um, there appears to almost be fan fatigue with Kenley Jansen because overall it hasn't been that bad. It's he's overall been a great reliever for his career. There's no no doubt about that. He's been one of the when best at, of the 2010s. Like that's yeah. it's, it's like it's, there's there's no doubting his ability. What people are starting to find is I think you stay in a huge market like that in the same role, performing so well for so long, all of a sudden you have one little slip up, and people have already been so so like used to you, and overly comfortable with you that everything flies off the handle. That's that's very, very fair. A change of scenery for him, as much as it's sad to see him go, like he could have definitely been a franchise guy for like forever for that team. 
I have a feeling that maybe if it weren't for the fans, maybe if it were a different contract given by the Dodgers, it always seemed like he would have been happy to stay there for most of most, if not all of his career. So it's just, it's interesting to see him go, but the change of scenery is probably better for him. Yeah. And I think Atlanta's a really good spot. They're still in a good place to contend. Kenley Jansen's a guy who, sure, in the playoffs, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about what he's done there. But regardless, the Dodgers still uh, won the World Series in 2020. And, you know, he was a big part of that team, especially in the regular season and the playoffs. And LJ, a guy who over the 12 years he's been on the Dodgers, averaging 29 saves a year at a career total of 350 saves in only, uh, where's his total game, 701 games pitched. Guy has been around for a long time. And to have a career FIP of under 2.5, put that at 2.37, the whip is .92, and the one LJ and I like to look at for relief pitchers your strikeouts per nine 13 strikeouts per nine over a 12-year span it's really incredible consistency that we've seen out of him and LJ did uh, put it in exactly the way that I couldn't uh, come up with it is fan fatigue you're in such a big market like LA that you know we almost see the same thing with a Chapman I mean he blows a big game uh, right before the All-Star break last year uh, to the Astros. And the guy is still on the All-Star team. And you have so many Yankee fans saying, this guy shouldn't be on the All-Star team, blah, blah, blah. It's like you start to underrate your own players because you're so used to them being good, I guess, is is um, how I wanted to put it. But for the Braves, this is really, really good for them. Why not go at a guy on a one-year deal? Because there's there's no strings attached. If you have that amount of money in your budget for this year, why not go for it? Yeah, and one more thing on um, Jansen before I turn over to like a league-wide perspective on this. You talk about um, you said like tw- averaging twenty-nine saves per season, excluding twenty twenty. He hasn't had a season under 25 saves in his career as a really realistically his career as a closer. Like the first, after his first two years, he's been 25 or above. Save opportunities don't come around like every single day for every pitcher, especially when you consider rest and everything. Like to be able to consistently be up there to have that average of 29 and then your low, your low bar is 25. That means you are taking advantage of every almost every single opportunity you're handed and that's that's crazy too he's but, only blown 45 saves in his career he's he's 88.6 percent save percentage exactly now from a league-wide perspective i feel like a lot of teams again missed out on him. maybe it's because the reputation he's had over the couple, last couple of years not necessarily being able to get it right for a few years here 2018 19 that that was also health related stuff too because I believe it was 2018 that he couldn't even go to Colorado because of his heart. Yes, like he, he had like the irregular heartbeat, I think. And that, that put him out of action for quite a bit. And again, oh, that, that even makes the point even better. I be, 
if we're correct on the fact that it's 2018 that this was, he had 38 saves in 2018, 33 in 2019. Like, during this stretch that we were pretty sure he's hurt at some point during there, he's still going over 30 saves. Yeah, and I, I think the one thing, LJ, why teams may be staying away from him, especially at this price, which he should get, he should be getting paid that much, uh, the walk percentage, if you look at what it's gone to in the 2021 season, uh, the league average over his entire career is 8.2%. Up until the 2021 season, he had been staying uh, around 6% with lows of 4%. He jumps up to a 13% walk rate in 2021 did not have nearly as much control as we're used to seeing the home run rate was significantly down but to see the walk rate jump up over four full percentage points from the 2020 season scares you especially because as a reliever you're so reliant on getting strikeouts it seems in today's game that you can't afford to drive your pitch count up and be be walking as many guys as he was surely I think it's something that will come back down and can come back down but I would hate to see it remain that high and potentially be an issue for him so that's that's the one thing I think that is going um against him and why some teams uh, chose to you know say this guy's not for us either way just I think it still makes no sense to me just because of the contract he got yes that's a lot of money but it's a one-year deal yeah I went into the offseason, I, I, admittedly I didn't have Trevor Story in my mind, but the one thing I was bullish on is this team needs relief help, doesn't want it, needs it, and they need back end of the rotation or bullpen guys. So I was looking at Jansen was Jansen was honestly top top of my list in terms of relievers, Chafin, um, Tepera, these guys that are all out there. There was a lot of really good names. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing them slowly get picked off one by one. And then as soon as I see Jansen go, I was, I, frankly, I was pissed because that was such a blow at a clear and obvious need for this team on a one-year deal. Like this team, if they really claimed that they weren't opposed to spending money, which they clearly weren't opposed to spending money because they ended up paying Trevor Story on that deal, what harm would there have been in giving him throwing throwing away a little money at a guy that's normally really good on a one-year deal if it doesn't work out you owe him nothing after this year like there, there's there's such little risk with signing a reliever to a one-year contract that i don't see how there weren't more people playing in that market well let's go from one veteran to another and in big news that broke right before I was about to go to sleep last night, Albert Pujols will be returning to the St. Louis Cardinals for his 22nd season in the MLB. It's awesome. I mean, LJ, Yachty, Wainwright, and Pujols, all back together. You, My name's Big Al, and I hit dingers. Look, this is so exciting. It's just going to be fun to see. And you know, you're not going to really know how much he's going to play. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's certainly going to be nice for him to be able to get back into the DH role. And being able to consistently DH, too, help save a little bit of that value. I just, I would like to see a situation where they can play to his strengths best. Let's just get him back over a hundred war for his career. Like that's Wait. something I would desperately like to see. And I don't think it's that impossible. He, he needs 0. 0.4. It's 0. 0.4. And his numbers, like his stats weren't that bad this last year. Like, I think he might have taken taken a step towards being able to like you know figure it out and squeak out a positively contributing season for this year. What I think is more interesting is not only do you have the opportunity to see all three of them together again, could all three of them retire together? That would be really cool. That would be really cool to see all three of them, and it's realistic for this to be all three of their last year on the team. Oh, yeah, LJ, this guy. Don't quote me on it, but it just seems to make a natural fit. Yeah, and Albert Pujols still crushes left-handed pitching. I mean, you go and look at his splits from 2021. So in the 150 plate appearances he had against right-handed pitching, 180 batting average, 233 on-base percentage, 266 slugging that's good for a 500 ops right that's terrible we don't like to see that versus left-handed pitching 146 plate appearances so essentially split right down the middle for how many plate appearances he had versus lefties and righties lj the batting average 294 with a 336 on base percentage and a 603 slugging that's a 939 ops in his age 41 season, on a day that there's a lefty starting pitcher, and I think this is exactly what the Cardinals were thinking, because right now in their DH spot, you have a Corey Dickerson, who's a left-handed hitter and crushes right-handed pitching and can't hit versus lefties. Why not platoon your DH spot, Corey Dickerson and Albert Pujols? You could get some great value out of that that lineup right there and or out of that spot in the lineup right there. And the Cardinals doing this, they see that, sure, it's really nice to have Pujols back on the team where he started and it's going to sell a lot more tickets and it's just great to have him back. But this guy can still help you win games, which at the end of the day is what matters. So um, I really like this this move for the Cardinals. Not only does it get the fans excited, gets the media excited, gets people like LJ and I going, but it just makes sense also from a baseball standpoint. Yeah, and you're talking about just on the field. On the field, I mean, I'm talking about compared to the splits of other people in terms of in terms of the splits of the league against left-handed pitching. He's 50% better than the league average against lefties like that that's fantastic but there's other ways that he affects this team too overall 
the reputation isn't huge for him here, but I have a very strong feeling that that type of mentor role for Albert Pujols is something that he's been pretty good with. I mean, you certainly remember hearing about Mike Trout's kind of not hugely, not hugely being thrilled with them letting him walk or forcing him to walk from the angels. Because I mean, this is a guy who had been there for pretty much all of Mike Trout's career and certainly shaped a lot of both what he did and the way he guys, those guys approached the game. So having great hitters on your team is never going to be a bad thing in a lot of ways. Again, I'm not saying he's the best at this. There's certainly guys in the league that are better, but it's like a secondary secondary hitting coach. And not only can he help with the hitting aspect, but just team chemistry in general is so big. And to have a guy like him that you can go to, because people forget, like, these guys are still humans. They still get into arguments that we don't see in the clubhouse. They still have a disagreements. Sometimes you can't figure out if it's a rat or a raccoon, and you just need to ask somebody. Right. Like, this is a very high-stress environment. So to have a guy like Albert Pujols who – has played, oh, I don't know, LJ, um, almost 3,000 games in the MLB. You know, that's a guy you can go to and, and talk about anything. And to just have those guys in the clubhouse, like an Albert Pujols, a Brett Gardner, uh, of Miguel Cabrera, are they going to bring you this outstanding value? No. But on paper, or on paper no. But... Are they an overall positive to your team's success? Absolutely. And more of these moves need to be made uh, because team chemistry and stuff like that matters a lot more than a lot of people um, think it does. It's not even moves that need to be made. Sorry to cut you off there. No, but you're like, good. It's a matter of not making moves half the time. How many times have you seen guys, teams let go of those leaders because they're not producing or some other or they're not worth the money that they're asking for those guys are always worth the money they might not look good on paper but they always are i mean that's something that's a very valid argument that's starting to be had in the red sox um fandom is at what point do you let like what point is the breaking point to let jd jd martinez walk i mean Honestly, he was the guy I was referencing in terms of the best secondary hitting coaches yeah. in the game. Like, he adds so much value from a leadership standpoint that you just cannot see, you cannot quantify. And so, ideally, in a perfect world, you would have him here until he decides to retire, and then you'd hire him hire him on his staff. Like, that's the ideal world with J.D. Martinez. But there's also outside factors here. You've got guys like Marcelo Meyer, who a year or two from now – you're going to be wanting to get into the lineup. And where do you put him if you don't have that DH spot open? How much money are you willing to pay to keep JD around if he decides to test the open market? Like those types of decisions are harder than bringing in the guy who's good for team chemistry as a free agent. Certainly. And uh, it's something that we're going to be able to see in the near future once games start just – how much of a value Albert Pujols is going to bring to the Cardinals. But, LJ, to finish up the show, did we want to go over 
just I don't know. We each pick a few teams, the off-season winners and losers, real quick. Yeah, I think honestly, like if we both, well, my I was envisioning, Brandon, who is your biggest winner of this off-season? Okay, um, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't like write anything down. I was just kind of, kind of like either. Frankly, the reason I shouldn't have even started with winners because I can't necessarily pick them yet. But um. I can pick a loser. Can I start with the loser? Yes. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, the athletics are, are my loser. Uh, they spent no money in free agency. They traded away Matt Olson. Uh, they let Starling Marte walk after trading for him during the middle of the season, uh, which, you know, that makes zero sense to me. But cool, you got a half season of Starling Marte when you weren't even competing. Uh, and and you gave and you gave up a just decent starter for him too. Yeah, you like a, gave up a twenty three year old starter, uh, a lefty by the way, which you know you don't see very often now. But anyways, you don't, you don't see it very often in the AL, AL West, especially. Yeah. You you know you put no money into the team. You keep saying you're going to trade Sean Mania or Frankie Montas. If I'm one of those guys, I want out immediately. They're two of the best pitchers in the American League, two workhorse starters that are going to give you 180 innings every year. You want to trade them. Every team seems to be involved, but you don't pull the trigger. Uh, LJ, I think like one of the nights that we recorded uh, after one of the World Series games, we just we just ranted about Oakland for a very long time. And I feel so bad for their fans. I mean... It, it's are just, there Oakland Athletics fans? I'm sure that there's. Some... I, I joke, but like, of course, there's Oakland Athletic fans. But at this point, when did when do these people like? And if there's somebody listening, please uh, tweet at us at MLB Daily Pod with your thoughts on this. Because let's make this the question of the day: At what point, as an Oakland Athletic fan, do you draw the line? At what point do you just walk over to the or go over to the team on the other side of the bay? Quite literally, right next door, there's a team that's fully functioning that you could root for. At what point does a fan draw the line? I'm really interested by that. I didn't even mention Mark Canna, who they let walk. He's on a third. One of the best walkers in the game. (laughs) One of the best walkers in the game. Dude is a consistent above average hitter. And he signed for $13 million or $26 million over two years, so $13 million annually. You don't have that in your budget for two years? A $13 million contract? You don't have that at all? Right now your top paid player is Elvis Andrews. <laughs> Elvis Andrews is your top paid player. You have four players with a, ma- with a guaranteed salary. The rest are either on arbitration or pre-arbitration. I mean, it's a joke. How can we let owners, and like, these are the owners that are ruining the game and why we have lockouts. So it's it's not the owners that spend money. Trust me. It's it's these guys that ruin the game and make fans not want to watch. Oakland Athletics' biggest loser, easily. Yeah, well, I would have picked Oakland, but I already figured you would pick Oakland, so I did prep ahead. My biggest loser of the offseason... The Philadelphia Phillies. Ooh, okay. Look, it we just got to the point where, first off, I think this was overall a really good offseason for just about every team. Like, the teams that didn't do anything 
were the teams that already kind of knew they couldn't do anything. Like there was nothing that was going to make them worthwhile. The only exception to that was the Philadelphia Phillies, who proceeded to really their two notable, most notable moves are bringing in Nick Castellanos and bringing in Kyle Schwarber, two fantastic players. Any team would be lucky to have them. But I can't help but feel like that is wasted money. Yes, you're going to get them hitting. Yes, between them and Harper, you're going to get over 100 homers, at least, this year. But you now have a lineup with two DHs in it, one of which has to play the field each night. That makes absolutely no sense. Just defensively, the whole thing is a hot mess. And even if you ignore the defensive side of this, what about that team as a whole tells you they're better than Atlanta? What about that team as a whole tells you they're even better than New York? And they're certainly not better than San Diego, certainly not better than San Francisco, and they're certainly not better than St. Louis. So what I see is a team that just pissed away a lot of money on guys that aren't going to be impactful enough to put them into the playoffs. Like, it is not, and it's not that they're not going to be good. They're going to be great for them, and it'll be fun for the fans to see this. But at the end of the day, the, the rest of the team just is not well-rounded enough for them to have made this move. Like, I'm not sure what team I'm thinking it is, but hypothetically, if they were able to fully like get me to a spot where the rest of this lineup I was comfortable with, where the rest of the rotation in the bullpen I felt really good about, and then you go add these two guys in, I feel a lot better. But right now, I just feel like this is a uh, weird time to go all in on, on the opportunity. That's a really interesting take. I, I like that. Uh, also, the one thing that, you know, it's like, sure, you got two really good hitters, and like you said, it's a lot of money. Did they not think about starting pitching, like, at all? Were they just like, yeah, you know, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler and uh, well, Kyle Well, Zach Wheeler's going to throw 400 innings a year, so it's fine. Okay, but so Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler is your one-two, is really solid, okay? Past that, you've got Kyle Gibson, who is, like, a three, I guess. That's a that's okay for your three. Honestly, Rangers, I think two four, they're good. Ranger Suarez, I like a lot. Ranger Suarez, I like, but was that just a one-year thing in 2021? Do we really think he can do that again? I mean, I, I hope so. It'd be really cool if they were able to make this guy into a— legit pitcher but i it's still a small sample size i need to see more zach eflin sure he's been there for a while i don't mind that but i just feel like what about if you just get like one of schwarber or castianos and then you go and you could have gave the same contract to robbie ray that the giants gave him um or not robbie ray excuse me um who am i thinking of you were thinking of carlos rodon carlos rodon that's it you you could have gave the contract to Car the same contract to Carlos Rodon that the Giants gave him, and that's a huge upgrade at starting pitching. I mean, for a team that was 16th in ERA between starters last year and 25th in ERA for their bullpen, I like some of the guys they added in the bullpen: Corey Knebel, Brad Hand. I think is all right. Ryan Sheriff um, from the Rays is really not bad, but. You know, there's still a lot of work to be done, and LJ, you're you're right. 
I can name a handful of National League teams that I like a lot better than um, this Phillies team. Yeah, and again, the bullpen's the part that really worries me with them. As for my winner, I mean, I'll, Brandon, feel free to chime in here if I mention the team that you were planning on picking. First off, I'm not picking the Mets for very similar reasons to the Phillies. They certainly weren't losers. They were they were on the winning side. Like, they won compared to, to the field, but they weren't the winner of this because I think realistically they needed Atlanta to take a significant step back, even with all the money that they spent and all of the great players they brought in based on value alone, actually based on value alone, the Mets might've won, but the fact that the Braves are still going to be freaking awesome next year, it, it, it kind of doesn't do the same effect that it had before the lockout past that. The three places I go to, Texas, for bringing in exciting names for their fans to watch, even if the team isn't going to be – first off, they could easily make the playoffs this year in the AL. But even if they don't, those are exciting guys that are going to be fun for that team to watch. And then, yeah, Minnesota with all of the uh, big acquisition of Carlos Correa, but the way they got to Carlos Correa through all of this roundabout – trading and wheeling and dealing just was really great to see and just great overall front office work. The other team that I bring up is Seattle. I think Seattle did a great job this year in terms of bringing in value, but also bringing value on a budget. I mean, this uh, trade they did with the Reds was the best of both worlds. You get the outfielder that you were probably looking at with a guy like Chris Bryant or like in the third and third base too. Um, you bring in everything that we were talking about Chris Bryant bringing to the table at a significantly lower price than they ever would have been able to get Chris Bryant for. So overall, I, actually, yeah, I'm going to go with them. I'll pick Seattle. I have two. Uh, well, really three. I mean, I feel like I'm not going to use them, but the Dodgers would be like kind of a cheap way out. Like, yes, like sure. They got better. Like, yeah. Winner. Um, Minnesota, I liked everything that you said. You're right. You know, they kind of have this really roundabout way for how they get Carlos Correa. But they also get Gio Rochella and a Gary Sanchez, who both could be on the trade market again. Really, all three of those guys could be uh, on the trade market once again. If this Twins team sees an opportunity to, you know, trade them for good prospects or what they perceive as good good value why not i mean you already have five top 100 prospects all with an eta of 2022 their top eight prospects according to fangraphs are all supposed to be close to the major league level by 2022 so if you see that you have something you want to build towards there's nothing stopping you from uh, keeping Carlos Correa and even being the team that extends him again. I mean, there's nothing wrong with anything that they did. I love what the Twins did. I also really like what the Blue Jays did. I think that adding Matt Chapman was a sneaky good move. Sure, a lot of the stats and peripherals aren't exactly there for him, but 
for such a short-term deal and the amount of money that he's getting paid, that is the ultimate buy low, sell high move, similar to what they did with Marcus Simeon, giving him that one-year deal just a year ago. I really like that. And then, sure, you lose the Cy Young in Robbie Ray, but that was really the first time we'd seen him pitch anywhere close to that you know, caliber in his entire career. So instead, you bring in Kevin Gaussman, you bring in Yusei Kikuchi, two all-star pitchers, and now you have a projected starting rotation of Jose Barrios, Kevin Gaussman, Hyunjin Ryu, Yusei Kikuchi, and then a guy like Alec Manoa. You've got Nate Pearson coming up. So just a lot of names that Toronto has on this roster. Not to mention you get a full, healthy season of George Springer and another year of Vladdy and Bo Bichette, who are only going to get a better with age, in my opinion. So really liking what Toronto did. Really a lot of the AL teams, LJ, I'd say, really saw that they, they needed to get a step up because it seemed like the the NL as a whole last year was much stronger. Oh, sure, sure. And one more honorable mention before we go. San Francisco, yes, you lose Chris Bryant, but, like, again, there's only so much you can do. More so, I think it's interesting that they were able to replace Kevin Gosman for comparable money like and, and replace him with a significantly better pitcher, in my opinion. Like, and I isn't keep... it crazy that uh, that that team won what 107 games last year, and we and you could argue that they were that they got significantly better. Yes, overall, especially from like the team that was really really good, which was the team to begin the season. Like even before Chris Bryant, this team was great. And the other thing you talk about too is health. I mean, I know I probably dote on this guy too much, but Evan Longoria wasn't healthy for a lot of the year. A lot of these older veterans they had didn't play full seasons, but still had like breakout resurgences. So if you can get San Francisco healthy this year, it's going to be huge. Brandon Belt had 29 homers and 380 plate appearances. I mean, that's all you need to know. If he stays healthy, if Longoria stays healthy, I think that San Francisco has a really good chance to get back to the postseason. But... That is going to do it for today's show. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday uh, to discuss more ongoing news, spring training games, everything that you need to know. But check us out on TikTok at MLB Daily Pod, Twitter the same. And uh, yeah, we'll see you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.